I'd like to have you think tonight about Israel and what is happening there. And I want to share a message about that subject tonight uh, because it's a, a biblical issue of how we think about Israel. And it's a, a spiritual issue, also biblical spiritual issue. Uh, so I have some thoughts about it that I want to share with you to help you understand a little bit about it. Uh, so let's uh, just do an introductory part now, and then we'll do the offering. And um, Have you ever met a Christian who's backslidden? Kind of turn to your right and left and see, <laughs> do you have anybody? Hey, this is a good question. Can a, can a believer backslide? Now, how do you know that, Texas Greg? Because he's done it. Okay. Uh, Hebrews 3, 14 our hearts can be hard. Verse 12, chapter 3, they can be deceived. Uh, we could be misguided. We can be, uh, it says in Second Corinthians 11, the false apostles. Beware, be aware of false apostles that can lead us into complexity and take us from the simplicity that is in Christ. Because we see it in the Bible. We see King David. We see King Solomon. Uh, we see the disciples forsaking Christ. We see Peter denying Christ. What do you think about those people? Are they, are they loved? Um, are they, uh, does God love them? Does God draw them? Does God correct them? If I make my bed in hell, Psalm 139, and take the wings of the morning, and I fly away, even there, and I go, I go to the depths of the sea, it says. I go to the depths of the sea. Let's look at that verse. Just put it up on the screen for me. Is it verse 12 or 14? Is it 139? In verse um, 9, verse 9. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, oh, oh, verse 8. If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. Question. If you fly away and you try to get away, and you go to the depths of the sea, who is there? God. And is he leading? Doesn't it say, even there your hand shall lead me, and your hand shall hold me. Okay. What's it mean? It means to me that when God makes a covenant with you and I, then we, we are loved. We are. He wants to show. Now, with Israel, it's very similar. 
It says in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace that you might have an expected end. Like God desires peace for Israel. Psalm 122. Um, let's put that one up on the screen. <clears throat> Verse uh, 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Now, if you want the destruction of Jerusalem, that's another spirit. That's another kingdom. If you want, when a, bat, a brother backslides and you want him destroyed, that's another spirit. God doesn't think that way about the guy that makes his bed in hell. God, God says, I will lead you. I will hold you. I am for you. I love you with an everlasting love. So here it says, verse uh, 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. By the way, our trip is postponed. We are not going there now as we planned, but we're going to watch and wait. And if you're in the group, I am sorry about that, but this is the the advice that we get, and it's sensible, and we don't want, you know, we don't need to explain that. So we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. Now, I have a problem in the world with anti-Semitism. I have a problem with it and people accepting it and going along with it and being critical. It's like saying to my brother who's fallen away, yeah, he, he just makes bad decisions. Yeah, he's arrogant. Yeah, I know all about my brother who, who went away, and, um, you know, I'm giving up on him, and he's cursed, and it's over with him, and, um, you know, I don't mind if he's gone yeah, to be destroyed. What spirit is that? That, that, is that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who, when Satan was at the high priest's right hand, was resisting him, and God said to the angel, put clean clothes on that priest. I am for him. I am for him. Wow, what, is it, what a story that is. Now, um, I, I think you all know that you know what I'm saying, and there's different things here, but I, I just want you to uh, think about it, because you're going to run into anti-Semitism more and more, and there's a reason for it, because people are more and more ignorant of Christianity. They're more and more ignorant of the Bible. They're more and more ignorant of the covenant. They're more and more ignorant of what this is that we are in. Now, uh, go to the last part is Revelation 12. And we can have pray for, prayer tonight for a minute on this subject. <clears throat> Revelation 12. And this is in the tribulation period how we understand the eschatology here. And the woman gives birth to a baby, a man-child, and he's caught up before the dragon can attack him. And um, that dragon is the one that fell from heaven 
with a third of the angels. His tail, verse 4, swept down a third of the stars of heaven, cast them to the earth. The dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth. The woman is Israel. So that when she bore her child, he might devour it. The dragon wanted to devour the child. Who is the child? But the Christ. But before she could, she gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations of the rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. This is when Israel is being sought to be destroyed, and she will flee to Petra. That's how Bible teachers understand it. I'm not speaking about these details. like that. Those are all messages. And I, I'm not, I'm not, that's not my message. My message is very, very short and compact and simple. And that is that the dragon wants to destroy her. And this is written in chapter 12 and verse 13. When the dragon, who is Satan, saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured forth from his mouth. All that I want to say tonight for your thoughtfulness and meditation is, whose side are you on? What spirit are we of? Am I for Israel or not? Am I anti-Semitic? Am I against the Jews or am I for them? That's all that I want to ask you. As born-again, spirit-filled believers, are you on the side of the dragon or are you on the side of God? Think about it. That's a very good question. Whose side am I on? Now, we in this country, I don't think I've ever preached a message like this before. But in this country, I'm telling you, if they're confused about a man and a boy, a boy and a girl, if they have lost their orientation, we're talking about if this little girl's a boy or not, then I guarantee you that that spirit of the dragon is going to be against Israel to destroy Israel. It's hate, it's powerful, it's real, and there's a war going on now over there. And we are God's people. And, and, and I just want to say, I, I feel that that's an indicator for me. The litmus paper test for my life is love. Do I love my wife? Do I love my country? Do I love the church? Do I love God? Do I love my enemy? And do I love Israel? Is God heartbroken about Israel? Turn to Luke 19. As long as we're, we're going on this, so I think it might as well finish my message, okay? 
Look at Luke 19, verse 41. When he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Yeah. Where, where are we at in our geography here, our topography? We are up. You can, we were going to go there in a couple of weeks. I'm so sorry you don't get to go right now. One, one of our sisters here, I think she's tried seven times to go. Is that right, Kathy Ryan here? Yeah. Oh, five times? Yeah. This is our fifth attempt. And by the way, Abraham Lincoln, when he was president, this is what he desired when he was done. He wanted to go to Israel. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Okay. The city, north-south, on the east side, there's a little a valley there, a little low ground. And then you go up Mount Olives. Jesus is up there somewhere on the side. And you can see the whole city. And when he looked at it, he wept. <laughs> because if you are a Bible reader like you are, and if you understand the riches of the Bible, the prophets, the priesthood, the tabernacle, the temple, the sacrifices, history, when you see the whole history of the world wrapped up with this incredible family, Abraham, where did he come from, whose hand was on him, his family in Egypt, coming out of Egypt. If you know this, and you know it to the point where the Holy Spirit works it in your blood, kind of, Holy Spirit just sits in your mind. Holy Spirit just teaches you every day. It just starts to be in you. And you, you understand it and you read it. And, and, and uh, you know that the city is the center of the universe one day. That's, that's like a fairy tale. No. It isn't. It isn't. It's reality. It's unbelievable that there will actually be changes. The city will rise. It'll become the center of the whole world. And the glory of God will be there like the waters cover the sea. And the peace of Jerusalem will radiate throughout the whole world. And the king of kings, and then his sub-king, David, and for a thousand years, and all of that incredible understanding and richness is wrapped up in this one verse. When he looked at the city, he wept. Because they are far away. They are so hard, so deceived, so in love with their money and their lives, and so in arrogant in their religion, and so blind. But he loves them. 
He loves them. What spirit is he of? He is for them. He loves them. So, he wept over them. I think you could go like through the Bible and just show whether it's um, Elijah, Balaam, and Moses. You can see the enemy and you can see God. You can see the false religion and you see God. You see the emptiness and arrogance like in Amos and then you see the prophet and you hear the message. You see God loving them, sending his prophets over and over again and speaking to them. Doesn't it portray our life too? That the Lord keeps up, he keeps at it, that he loves us, that he wants our peace. Look at the verse with me, 41. It says, would that you, even you, verse 42, would would that you, even you, Where has Jesus been in this time here? Where, where are we in our history? He's been a couple years in ministry. He's been on the Sea of Galilee. He's done miracles. He's been in Jerusalem. He has told parables. He's healed the sick, the leper. He's raised the dead. And then he, he speaks to them as a nation. And he says, it would you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. If you had known me, the peace that I would give you. Can't we say that to every backslider? Can't we say that to ourselves when we are prone to wander? Can't we say that to ourselves when we just get tired, exhausted, frustrated, angry, revengeful, hateful. We are also like these people. We are also the same. And in this case, we would say to the Jewish people, the dear Jewish people around us here in the United States and, of course, in Israel and anywhere they are in the world, that God loves you, we love you, we are for you. Come to Christ. Come to believe in Jesus as your Messiah. We are for you. God is for you. Is Jesus for them here? Is he for them? Would he pray for them? Did he, did he care about them? That's what, that's what I want to say to us about this war that's going on in the Middle East. It is not good. It is evil. It is hateful. It is murderous. It is demonic. Whose side are you on? We are on the, on the side that God is on. And let God do his work. But it's not my role to be a judge. It's my role to, to understand that there is a spirit that is in the world, and if, if it has its way, it will destroy and it will murder like it always has in history. It murder and kill. Two groups of people are hated by Satan. Two groups, who are they? The Jews and the Christians. And by the way, who's getting martyred today in huge numbers? Christians. They are martyred. They are murdered. 
That's the spirit that's in this world. And it's not, we are, we are safe tonight. We are thankful tonight. We are in the spirit of God. We are in the body of Christ and we're growing and we're not afraid of evil. Judge Proverbs 1, 33. We are not afraid of evil. It is around us, but it's not controlling us. We are not afraid of it. We fear God and respect him so that we don't live in the fear of evil. We live in the peace of God, God's peace. Let's look at it, verse 42. But now they are hidden from your eyes, the things that make for peace. Forgiveness, love, worship. I think I'll finish right there. I'll I'll say a few more words. In a, in, in a few minutes, I think you got enough for now. And Lord Jesus, we, we want to pray for Israel tonight. We pray for Ben Ramona and Kim Dowling. We pray for Pastor Roman. Pray for Tofik. Pray for Messianic Jews. We pray for American tourists, innocent people, and the Jewish people. We pray for Palestinians. We pray for salvation. We pray for the innocent people caught in a conflict. We pray for the leadership. We just we care for everyone. We are not racist. We are people that care and love all people. We're also recognizing something spiritual tonight. And where, where, where am I landing? Where, who am I? What do I believe about this? And we just pray for this country, Israel, tonight. Give the wisdom. Give the guidance. Anoint your people in the presence of trouble. Fill them with your spirit and their and your comfort mightily. Those that walk with you and those that are shaken, may they turn to you and find you the Prince of Peace. We pray. We are in troublous times, Lord. We are people of prayer. And pray for this in Jesus' name. Okay, turn to Luke 19 with me. We have two words that we're looking at. So we have the trouble, the trouble that we read about here. And then we have the word peace. We have trouble on one hand and then peace on the other. It kind of sounds like our life, too, that we have one hand trouble and how how real that is and that trouble has many aspects to it. And sometimes it's hard for people to believe that there could be peace. But Jesus, looking at this situation, said, 
uh, if you had known the peace that I have for you. So it's, it's hidden from your eyes. But now they are hidden from your eyes. And that is also a very real thing for us. So I'm doing a parallel here between Israel and Jesus looking. And it parallels the lives of, of people. Uh, believers and unbelievers. But then there are people like you and I that we would like to think we are standing next to Jesus as he's looking at the city and saying, yes, Lord, we understand you. We understand what you're thinking. We understand your life, your power. We understand that we agree with you that this peace is a real thing and that there is a kingdom coming on this earth one day. It's coming. And many of us are are feeling it every day and thinking about it and understand that it is real. So we have verse 43. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down in the, to the ground. They will. That was the Roman Empire he's talking about. The Roman uh, Vespian, wasn't it? The, um, the general, the Caesar that ordered it, the general that surrounded the city. There was According to the wars of Jerusalem by Josephus, when he wrote about it, there were 5,000 crucifixes surrounding the city of Jerusalem where, where people were being besieged without food and water. They would run for their lives in the night to escape, captured by Romans and crucified. But eventually they ran out of trees to crucify people. They would also, according to Josephus, they would take the person, kill them, open their guts to look for uh, precious stones or valuable metals that they swallowed, believing when they escaped they might get caught, but they would not have anything valuable. They would have ingested it. So the Romans would, would uh, do that. Horrible. Jesus saw. But I don't think he saw only Roman times. He saw um, Inquisition in Europe with the Spanish. He saw the Hitler Holocaust. He saw today, perhaps. He saw, he, he, he could see what would happen. And... Love them. But what could he do? And that's kind of like us too. Uh, Dr. Bing yesterday said that when we frustrate the grace of God, it's like a little boy having trouble with his math, and his father is a math teacher. And he says, little boy, can I help you? I see you're having trouble. No, leave me alone. I don't want it. I, I want to do it myself. But he can't get it. He, he can't get it, and his dad is there. But he doesn't want to hear it. In a way, 
we can be that way too. We can say, I don't want it. I don't know what, how it works. I don't know what it's about. But we, we are learning that, that it's so good to be humble as much as possible. When we are angry, like slow down, think about it. When we are frustrated, okay, let it go. When we can't forgive, give it up, forgive. When you have no compassion, start to think of others. You know, compassion is blocked by selfishness. When it's all about me, it's all about me. I get blind to others. I have no compassion. I have no compassion. So this happens to us. And Jesus is saying here in verse 44, They will tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you, because you did not know the time of your visitation. The time of your visitation. I wonder what time that is. The time. It's when Jesus came. It was the time of the visitation of God in the temple. It was the time of the miracles. It was the time of the parables and multiplying food. It was a visitation of God. But Jesus said, a greater than Solomon is here, but you don't come. I like to add just my little dramatic piece. You won't even walk across the street to meet me. But the Queen of Sheba traveled 800 miles. But you won't even get off your couch and come and say hello to me or look at me or listen to me. No, Lord, we are like that. We are actually your enemies. We are actually blind. We are actually suffering. We are suffering, Lord. And the Lord says, I know you are. And I'm weeping over it. You're frustrating my grace. If you knew the peace I have for you. Does that mean anything to us? Like, like does it hit home? It does. And you might, have been, you might be a Christian for 40 or 50 years. But there's always that, that, that wandering or that attitude. There's always that stubbornness. That surfaces in me. And be aware of it. And just say, I've done that. I've been like the little boy struggling with the math. And then I just yielded. And I said, Dad, help me. And he taught me. And I enjoyed being with my dad. And I enjoyed what he said. I'm still struggling, but I got dad. My dad is with me. The grace of God is able to teach us and to show us our peace. That's the second word. So first word is trouble. Second word is peace. Turn with me to Hebrews 4, and we'll finish with that. Hebrews chapter 4. <clears throat> thank you, Lord. And thank you, church. You're amazing. I love you guys. You're so amazing. You can't believe how... Easy it is to be here 
with you because you are praying, you are loving, you are, you are awake, you are learning, you are engaged, you care about each other, you love each other, you pray for each other. We are, we are part of something going on in the world that needs to happen. Your, your portion is important. Your life is important. Your love is important. Your joy is important. It's God with us. Okay, look at chapter 4. For time's sake, I'm just going to jump to verse 6. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. I guess verse 5 would have been better to start with. Again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter, excuse me, my rest. They'll not enter my rest. And he said in verse 7, today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, if you will hear his voice. That's why we assemble for church. We take a word with us, and we live with a word for the day or the, the rest of the week, a few days. We have a word. I came to church. I got a word. I was with my brother. I got a word. I, I, I was in prayer. I heard a word. God gave me a word. That's how it works. In verse 8, For if Joshua had given them rest... God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. What kind of works? Anxiety is like a work. Have you ever been anxious? Can't sleep so well. Have you ever been anxious? Blood pressure goes up a little bit. Have you ever been anxious? You don't even know what, where the anxiety come from. The, I, I have anxiety. People live with anxiety, not peace, but anxiety. But this is, this is a rest. You are not literally not worried. You are not afraid. You're not worried. You're at rest. The, the world is, there's a war now, another war. The world has fears and anxieties. Do you? Do you? You might have. I understand. I understand. But look at this. Look at this word that the Lord is saying. I have a rest for you. Whoever has entered God's rest has ceased from his own works. He's sleeping. He's a, he's at rest. He's 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 good. I mean, it's good. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Verse eleven. Let us strive to enter the rest. That's a sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Like I'm I'm working at entering into rest. Yes, but it's a different kind of work. It's heart work. The Puritans called it heart work. On the Sabbath, in, in the Puritan days, that seventh day, the Sabbath day, uh, 
was no labor, no work. They didn't work, but they had heart work, they called it. It was in their hearts. And that's kind of like for us every day. Now you want to be corrected or instructed. I, I will go to the church. I will, or I will listen. I will be quiet. I will, I will enter into his rest. There are some things I won't touch them. I don't know how you handle social media, but if it provokes you in the wrong way, then stop it. Just get off it. It's like not helping you. If you're watching the news and it's bothering you, and uh, and that then we'll strive to enter his rest. Like I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just just thinking about what what it means. Like enjoying life, enjoying love, enjoying quietness. Uh, the Finns, and there are a few here today. Praise the Lord. You guys are awesome. They go for walks in the forest. I mean, maybe all day. They go for a walk in the forest. And you can ask any Finn. They love the quietness. It can't be too quiet for them. Just absolute silence. Absolute. They, they, I'm sure they think we are loud, right? We are loud. We are like totally loud. Our speech is loud. Okay. Anyway, what Jesus is saying when he's looking at these people and he's weeping and, and what he has for them is this rest where it is you are loved, you are provided for, you are cared for, you are encouraged, you are counseled, you are infused with his love and life and truth in your inner man. We actually go to sleep and you're at peace in the midst of a troubled world. That's the finished work. That's what it means to us. Our religion is not a problem. People think, well, what kind of religion? It's not stressful. It's not a problem. My, my religion is awesome. It's awesome. And I've told you before, I say to people that when they ask you at work, what would you do this last weekend? I went to church, and it was awesome. And they look at you, what? You, you went where? It's awesome. I enjoy it. It's my place. It's my rest. It's my food and my friends. It's my vision, my future in the Lord. It's, it's connected. It's not the whole thing, but it's part of it. It's like I, we have found a rest for the people of God. I love it. At home, I might have trouble. At work, I might have some trouble. But when I come to the church, I have a clarity of heart, clarity of thought, the grace of God, the wisdom of God, and the peace of God. That's what he promised us. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace. So we're making a big deal out of it tonight. We're boasting in the Lord. It says what? Finish the rest of the verse. 
all the day long. Psalm 44, verse 8. Roast in the Lord all the day long. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you have for us. And we will make every effort to enter that rest. You were actually already there. We have been brought into the Holy of Holies. We are seated in heavenly places. We're at a place of rest. And I, I know, I know it sounds like too strong or too much. It's like, I, I know it sounds like incredible, but I want, I want you to touch it and realize that it's true. There is a rest for the people of God. And Jesus knew that Israel was to have it. And it was blinded. They were blinded from it. And he wept because he cares for us. And he knows the expected end for us. And then, Lord, we we say, come quickly, Jesus, come. We are waiting. We are ready. We are about the Father's business. We are in the world for such a time to bring a message to people that need a lot of help. And you are there for them. They could say a prayer and you would answer them in the night. They could say a prayer and you would anoint them with joy and love. You did it to us. They would say a simple prayer of salvation, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. And, and you were there to answer and do the, do the work in the heart. Do it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And anyone here listening to me today, to, tonight, would you just open your heart to Jesus and put your trust in him? And on the internet, please. Do it. Open your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ who overcame the grave and washes your sins away and calls you by name and puts your name in the book of life. Call upon his name and you are saved. You are forgiven and Jesus is your Savior, your God that you talk to, trust in, walk with. In Jesus' name, amen.